news break for Thursday, October 4th, 1863. I'm Jonathan McLean. Dateline, Philadelphia. The Athletic Baseball Club defeated the Keystone Baseball Club by a final score of 14-13. to The Keystones had two home runs, though they had even more base running mistakes that likely took them out of several runs. The Athletics, not to be outdone, had two home runs of their own. Mr. Malone of the Athletics batted second and had two hits with one run scored, but his pitching was described as being rather wild. Thankfully, Mr. Kleinfelder, his catcher, bailed him out multiple times, including three instances where Keystone runners were thrown out trying to steal third base. In other news, yesterday President Lincoln had ordered the last Thursday in November to be declared a day of thanksgiving and prayer. Apparently, the president didn't want to see a lot of people eating meals by themselves. Today's news break brought to you by Fox's Casino. Come see pure, legitimate, enjoyable amusements, including the Ciro Arabic Acrobatic Troupe with both male and female acrobats, as well as the Clog Dancing Championship of America to be determined. I'm Jonathan McLean, and this has been your Roller Out the Barrel News Break. Welcome to the party, pal. <laughs> All right. It's the Roller Around the Barrel Vintage Baseball podcast thing. Talking to vintage baseball players from coast, coast, border, and border. You guys love the vintage baseball talk. You love when we get down and dirty into the vintage baseball. And there is no better guest than we could have. There is no better guest. I don't know. I'm just saying that because he's the current guest, but we mean it on some level. <laughs> we're going well, out to the, we're going out to the East Coast tonight. It's going to be a beautiful thing. Let me bring in my co-host, my compadre, the piece of resistance, the Shangri-La of the Lalas. I'm in a good mood tonight, Rudy. It's Rudy Frias, Swamp Fox. Hey, buddy. It's so good to see you. I'm in a great mood, too. I'm excited. I'm, I, this is easily, as I told you before we hit record, I need this right now. Uh, it's been that type of day. I need this I need this interview. I need this environment. Give it to me. You totally contradicted yourself. You, you said <laughs> everything was great. You were having a great day. And then you said you really need this because it was not a great day. Which one is it? It has. I, t- I think you miss a hurt. It was not a great day. <laughs> this is a great moment, making the day great right now. It's this is what moment. I need. Listen, before we bring in our guest, I got to talk to you about something. Something you're going to experience in about 15 years. My daughter got her driver's license, and Ooh. and she has a car, and she she did not pass the test the first time. Just minor stuff, nothing yeah. major. And yes. second time she goes through it, no problem. And uh, so she got those keys, and I don't think I've seen her since. It's been a week. She has been, <laughs> she's driving everywhere, <laughs> and I have been a nervous, a nervous wreck. So I tried to talk to her about it today because I have been freaking out and not trying not to say anything. I'm trying to be good, mm. and and I made her cry. Okay, so <laughs> I don't know how I did it. Uh, I should have been the one crying, but uh, terrible parenting today on my part as uh, I'm just trying to reel her in. And uh, 
I, I just made more bait on the hook, I think. I don't know the hell I do. No, no, don't beat yourself up, buddy. The teenagers these days are dealing with a lot, and uh, don't beat yourself up. Chris is going to be able to talk about this, too. Let's bring in our guest. Rudy, uh, did you want to do the introduction? No, I want you to do it. Uh, he's a man from the East Coast. He's well-known up and down <laughs> the vintage baseball landscape. I don't even know what team he's a member of because I've seen him in just about every uniform. <laughs> it's Christopher Moran. Chris, how are you doing? Great. How are you guys doing? Thanks for having me on here. Uh, oh, I'm doing great. Yeah, it's, uh, it's great to have you. Uh, when did I ask you to do this? Did I ask you at Old Beth Page to do this? You, you asked, I think you asked me just after. I was way, Last, I was way too intimidated. No, nah, I was intimidated to come up and yeah, talk to you yeah. for crying I'm out so loud. Intimidated. Dude, uh, 57 years old. I'm not going to say it again because if you, if you see this on the YouTube uh, later, you won't believe it. I don't believe it. I don't understand it. I, I, I don't believe you, I'm 57 either. I don't believe I'm 57 either. I thought you were in your 40s. Hey, Jesus. I, well, I, there's other things I won't tell you that age me quite a bit. So. <laughs> don't tell me. Don't ruin the fantasy. Chris, oh, uh, 57 years old. You look better today than I've looked any day in my life. Rudy, Rudy, you're a good looking man. I'm sorry. You got nothing. <laughs> no. No. Right, sorry, Rudy. I really, you know, it's, it's all my mother's fault. Quite honestly. There you go. That Mothers will do that to you. Yeah. Uh, Chris, uh, yeah, thanks for joining us. Uh, we know that there's a lot of vintage baseball talk that's about to happen. We're very excited about it. Like I said, what team are you a um, the official, the official member of what club right now? All right. So currently, I am a member of the Connecticut Baseball Club of Hartford. So we go by a couple of different names when we're on the on the road. So we'll be the Connecticut Bulldogs when we're at home, and on the road we'll be the Connecticut Liberty. So, and I played. I play. I've played for a couple of other teams uh, on the East Coast here. I played for uh, the uh, Waitley Pioneers. Just before I joined these guys, and that was a while ago. I took a couple years off, had some personal stuff I had to deal with, and then the Harper Senators. Prior to that, uh, I was with those guys for twelve years. Okay, the Hartford Senators. Do they still uh, exist? No, they don't. Only in our hearts. Just in our hearts, man. Okay, because I did see a picture of you in that uniform. I've seen you in a picture of many different uniforms. Can you go ahead and go through the list of every different uniform you've ever worn right now? Oh, boy. Um, let's see. Well, when I started out in 99, I think I actually had a Providence Gray uniform on. My first game ever, I played for the Providence Grays. And that was part of a tournament we were putting on here in Hartford. Um, and uh, I was not on any team, but I was so interested, and they – you know, being the cordial guys they are, invited me to play. I think it was Brian Travers. And then uh, right after that, we started up the Harper Senators. And from the Senators, I went, uh, played for the Waitley Pioneers, probably played a game or two for the Wheelman. I don't know. I played, I, I, you know, when everybody, anybody needs a player, I'll, I'll go out and, I'll, you know, everybody needs a catcher, right? So are you have st- catcher with travel. Are you still doing the catching? Absolutely. God bless you. Uh, the best, it's the best position on the field. Best position on the field. You, uh, you're playing uh, what? You're playing 84 out there on the East Coast. 
right? Uh, we do. We're not as not as much as we have in the past. Uh, the Harper Senators that we that I, that I started with and helped build up, we were strictly '86 and '84, um, and we did that, you know, till about 2012, and that kind of fizzled. The team just kind of, you know, it aged out. Basically, we aged out. Um, some personal stuff kind of made me take a look and say, "Hey, I think this is done." And uh, from there, I, I moved on to the Waitley Pioneers. They had a bunch of great guys up there in uh, Deerfield, Mass, and uh, the Babe and Haas and Jay Stadowski. You know, they needed a catcher, and I said, I'll, I'd be more than happy to catch. Everybody needs a catcher. Uh, you probably get a lot of calls still to this day. Uh, yeah, you probably have no fear. I would assume... You got no fear back there. Is that is that safe no. to say? Uh, there's always a fear. There's always a fear. You fight the fear, you know. Um, you're always, you're always going to get a ding, right? So you can't think about it. You can't think about it, or you're or you're not going to be any good at all. You're going to be picking balls up against the backstop. So, tell us about. Let me the, ask you this. Go ahead, Rudy. Yeah, let me ask you this. The fear, yeah, getting ding. I caught in high school. I know. Nice flex, but uh, let me let me let me ask you this question: the thought of being in that stance, just thinking about it, makes my quads burn. So let me talk to let me ask you: what is your routine? Is it just such a second nature position for you to be in that it's just a natural position for your body, or is there a routine you go through pregame and postgame to prepare your body to catch a game? Not really, man. I just, like any, I just still warm up and do, do the normal routine and um, just pray that I got enough juice in the, you know, juice to get through. Uh, again, we used to catch double headers too. So um, back when I was much younger, I was much younger. I was probably, I was probably 40, in my 40s. Oh my um, gosh. Barrel, <laughs> this guy's making me sick. <laughs> Chris, tell us about the time you got hit in the penis with the ball. Oh my God! How many times did that happen? No, I want the I want the main story. You don't Honestly, have to tell. Yeah. Don't tell no, me no all doubt, of them. No doubt, it's always like it's always that, and it's always that time. It's always that time you forget to put the cup in. It's always the time you forget to put the cup in. Yes, and uh, yeah, right in the old. You know what? Absolutely. Uh, uh, Murphy's law. Murphy's law. Yeah, I mean, you're, even when you take it off even, the cup, even for us Irishmen, we get we'll get hit the penis every once in a while. The cup, the cup is not a perfect instrument. So it does it does provide some protection, but if you get hit square on the cup, there's still pain. I mean, it's still <laughs> it's I I don't know how have we not made any improvements on the cup? I don't have we? I don't even know. Well, what what, what wasn't there some quote about uh, why the first thing the men protected was the uh, piece of equipment was the cup before the helmet got involved? So <laughs> good point. It's a very good point. We haven't progressed very far. Damn it. So uh, you're out there uh, with the Connecticut team, so you're dealing with uh, Mr. Chicarello, friend of the show, I think. Yes, Chuck. Oh, yes, sir. And uh, yep. if, you go back, if you go back in the archives, way back, way back to season one, oh, my God, it's like episode three. That's 196 episodes ago. Uh I interviewed Chuck Chicarello just because I heard his name. I had never had any interaction with him whatsoever until that interview. Anyway. Uh, How was that interview? Good? Chuck, Chuck, Chuck's the man. 
Uh, Chuck is, he's something. He, uh, we got into it over, oh, what was that, Rudy? I was asking him what he thought of Midwest vintage baseball. <laughs> and because I was giving him what yeah. Midwest vintage baseball thought of East Coast baseball. He wasn't too thrilled with that question. I he misunderstood. <laughs> he mis he misunderstood the question. I think, but uh, we've made up. <laughs> but he's actually been on the show uh, multiple I think times. He was, uh, with you, he was he, at uh, Bethpage. Yeah, he was. Uh, he was the silent assassin at at Old Bethpage because he would just come in, say some stuff, and then be gone. I'd be like, he's talking, talking. I turn around to look at. Look at the board for a second. I turn around. He's gone. I don't, what what happened? He said what he had to say, and he was gone, uh, like a wizard. Look like Chuck. <laughs> uh, okay, so I want to know. Back in 1999, you had on a Providence Grays jersey, probably, uh, well, whole uniform, probably thanks to Brian Travers. If you go back in the archives, oh, we could do that all night. Um, I want to know how you came across vintage baseball your thoughts when you first saw it and did you, uh, did you actually see it before you played it? You know, it's probably, um, I came across it probably like most of the guys out there, um, from that got involved about the same period I got. It was with the Smithsonian article, right? The Smithsonian. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All that, you know, I'm like, Oh, this is so awesome. Where are these guys doing this? Uh, there's a gentleman you guys might know. His name is Greg Martin. I don't know if you know Greg. He uh, he owns and runs the Vintage Baseball Factory. Yep. So, Greg, uh, I think he's still doing that. I think he's still selling baseballs. I'm not sure what he's doing with the uniforms and all that. But Greg and I were, were pretty tight back then, and uh, I helped him build out that um, that company. Martin helped him market it, all that good stuff. So part of that whole marketing thing was let's bring some teams into Hartford and put on a little – festival and so we did that in 99 it was kind of like a small um you know maybe i think there might have been maybe six teams some from connecticut some from rhode island and some from new york it might have been even roxbury i don't i don't, I don't remember uh, off the top of my head but uh yeah so we did it and that that was a success it was right downtown at bushnell park um which is this um like a small mini central park in hartford built uh, Arcad- uh the same gentleman who built central park built um, Bushnell Park. It was a be- this bucolic little park in the middle of all these sky rises, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it was beautiful. It was great. I mean, people loved it. Guys were out at lunch watching the game saying, what the heck are you guys playing? And, you know, um, introduced them to this game. So then the next year we did the same thing. I, I, we actually put a small team together here in Hartford, the Senators. We weren't really official, but we, we played a couple of games in the tournament. Um, I, you know, as soon as I saw the game and stepped on the field, it was, uh, you know, like, where has this been all my life? Yeah. You know, why haven't I been playing this since, you know, since I was five years old? Um, but yeah, I just thought I fell instantly in love with it. So I did just being, you know, I love the history of the game. I love, you know, just even the way, um, you know, the ephemeral, the baseball car, all those old baseball cars, all the old pictures, all the old uniforms, that all that kind of romantic feel of baseball from that era kind of just kind of just sealed the deal for me. Then to get out there and play and, you know, play without a glove, it's just, it's just you know, it was amazing, amazing. 
you you didn't run across uh, vintage baseball until what thirty four years old then? Uh, is that about right? About right. So uh, about right. I'm good with the math, you know. Yeah. I can do. Uh, take you a little bit. Were but, you ready to scribbling down something on the paper? Yeah, while you were talking, he was doing the math. Well, <laughs> here's how I did the math. So uh, Chris graduated from high school in 1983, and so I take seven years because I'm much much younger than Chris. Uh, seven years younger, and <laughs> and I, I just, hit the big five zero. And I, I, I know I hit fifty one back in February. So whatever, but uh, yeah. I mean, I know That's I enough. came across uh, I came across vintage baseball when I was around the same age. I want to say, and it was really depressing. Like I really could have used another dozen years of this in my life that I totally That's missed. Perfect. Uh, what was your baseball experience like up until then? Like, uh, did were you playing any high school ball? Well, I, I grew up in a very athletic family, uh, mostly football, though. My family was, uh, you know, football and baseball. Baseball kind of filled in the gap between football seasons. But, uh, you know, um, I, I've, I've got four brothers. So I'm the number four of five guys in my family. Um my older brothers all played D1 football. Um, I was going to go out and play football, but things things happened in my life that um, I had to, you know, take responsibility of certain things and uh, went and got a job. Got got a job, and you know, no 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 college baseball for me. I played high school baseball, um, and you know, played Legion and all that fun stuff. Um, but after that, that was the end of my baseball career. Um, played softball here and there. Then I. I played some Twilight, and I played some. Um, once my once my kids got older, I played some Twilight around the area, uh, and a lot of softball. Boo, boo, softball. As when you say uh, a lot of things happened in your life, and uh, you had to get a job and stuff. You had kids, okay? Let's face it. Everybody, I, guess, I every, had kids. Everybody's I had kids at a very young age. <laughs> your lives stop, and you have to be a grown up, and <laughs> and. I'm, I don't know if I'm a grown up yet, but I've, I've been trying since like 19 years old. <laughs> and uh, uh, yeah, I've been I've been there with that. I'm still working because I had kids when I was young. What? I got a daughter who's 28 years old. No, no, she's 30. God, no, you can't you can't remember her name or her uh, age. Oh man, you're Listen. in trouble. I know her birthday because it's the same day as Kirk Gibson. Okay, so I'm offended by that comment. Awesome. Uh, awesome. Uh, awesome. Yeah, that's May 28th, by the way. Just in case uh, nobody believed me out there, but uh, there we go. I was just, oh my god, she is 30 years old. Uh, your oldest is is how old, Chris? 29. He's 38. 38. So far, thirty-eight. Yep. Do you have? Yep. Do you, is your second one twenty-nine? Uh, actually, Drew, who plays with me on the uh, on the Connecticut Ball Club, um, he is twenty-six. Oh, I was close in there. And then I've got twenty twenty-one-year-old. That yeah. was my next question. Line of questioning is, is that you came into vintage baseball at pretty much like the prime years of being a vintage baseball player mm-hmm. in the sense of our community. Sure. Um, yeah. Did. Did your children naturally gravitate to it like you did, or did you like invite them out? What was that process like? Um, you know, I think at that point, baseball kind of consumed me. 
mm-hmm. <laughs> I was playing on like three three baseball teams, coaching two baseball, coaching my kids' baseball teams. So it was just, it's just, you know, it was not, it was part of our lives, right? Yeah. So, you know, they would come up and be bat boys for, for, for the team. And then as soon as they got old enough and they wanted to get out there, like, you know, go for it. I think my son Drew played some 86 for Waitley um, when he was, yeah, when he was 14. Shut up. That's awesome. Yeah, he went out and pitched a couple of innings against Westfield. He did okay. He did pretty well. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> So my oldest didn't. He was he was off in California. He lived in he's he's lived all over the all over the country. He's a he's a world, you know, he's a world shaker. He's an amazing, uh, just guy all around. That's fantastic. And like it's also cool because like getting them involved so early. Like speaking at like so my little brother was a bat boy here in the Midwest until so is, you know, Ian, is Ian your 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 your, your little brother? Oh no no oh, Ian oh. Ian is my older brother. This oh, is the yeah, third okay. one. Eric, oh, okay. Uh, okay. Uh, Eric uh, started as a bat boy and like it, you know, he was just itching. He was like, I got to, I want to play. I want to get out there. And so like, yeah, we were, we were starting around that age as well uh, playing. Uh, well, not 86. That didn't come into our lives until we got out to New York in like, I think 1998 and got to play our first game like that. But that's, that's, that's such a, that's the one thing I love about our community is that like, you can bring a whole family in and the family gets interest. And then eventually that hopefully, you know, that family will pick up where we, we left off as old men. So baseball in and of itself is pretty familial, right? It's a very familial thing. And I think what we have as a community and as a project is even more about family. And, you know, honestly, what we do as a community is it's, it's a brotherhood, sisterhood, you know, it's, it's, I think once you come in, it's really hard for guys to, to leave. Not that we, you know, I just, I think they find it hard to leave. It's just such yeah. a, I'm, my, some of my best friends still to this day are the guys that I played bench baseball with. Exactly. You know, they might not say the same thing about me, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> well, let me, on that subject, let me ask you this, Chris. Uh, there has been a smattering of people that were very involved in vintage baseball as far as playing organizing, managing, umpiring. And when I have noticed, uh, and this is uh, something that's happened within the last couple of years, when when it's time to step away, they do a 100% step away. There is no partial step away. It seems like they have to cut the cord completely, almost. And I haven't talked to, to these people yeah, but I'm curious. Is it because it's too hard? It's almost like a, a failed marriage or something where you just you don't want to talk about it. You don't want to see it because now you're just sitting there and you're watching something that's probably hard for you to do. Uh, what do you think about that? I think I can understand that completely because I think I did it. I did, you know, I, I did. I did. I had to step away just to, you know. Things were going on, and you had to, you know, sometimes life life gets in the way, right? And uh, if I didn't step away, I probably would have, you know, probably wouldn't have enjoyed it as much um, playing. So I think stepping away completely kind of resets yourself. And then I came back. I just, I just. Now was, was part of it. Was part of it if you were even involved a little bit, you knew it would just drag you back in, like. 
you couldn't do a little. It had to be all or nothing. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of that kind of guy anyways. It's all or nothing. Um, I think if you talk to most of my friends, they say Chris is pretty intense. So, <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it's all it's all or nothing, you know. And that's how I kind of play, uh, play the game. And, you know, thank God pitches came into my – my, my sports life because I, I think sometimes I took things a little too seriously, you know, and vintage definitely is a, is a place where the community, it, it's all about respecting the game, respecting the, your opponents and respecting your teammates. And I think sometimes that gets lost on today's modern ballets. You know, they softball. I mean, softball, I can't, I can't play softball anymore. It drives me crazy. These kids are out there, you know, almost breaking my leg trying to break up a double play. It's like, really? I got to go to work tomorrow. Mm. Can, if you can't, just elaborate on what that process was like. Because, like, we all come in to vintage baseball with that competitive nature. It's, it's in, ingrained in us as individuals. You know, everybody wants to win. Um, like, especially having your children join – well one of your kids join the club and play the game like was it a was it mainly just the people around you that helped you like learn or like relearn I'm sorry relearn the way to play baseball in the way that we play in vintage baseball whereas you know you're going to care for the other people that you play against you want to win but you want like you said you got to go to work the next day. You've got, you know, you've, there's a care that is involved in a vintage baseball match. Was that something that took a while for you to learn? Or like, was there an individual say, was it Brian that said, Hey, listen, this is how we do things here. <laughs> no, it, wasn't, it wasn't Brian. Um, I laugh only because um, we are very competitive with each other. Yeah. You know, um, especially against the great, but um, you know, I don't know if it was necessarily a step-by-step process. It was definitely, there was a, definitely a, a process of um, just being introduced to it. And with, with that, you're kind of like, all right, I got to know my, I got to know my place. Mm-hmm. And then you kind of learn by seeing these men and women put on a, put on a, a game and, you know, not let the game overtake what, you know, overtake Good sportsmanship and generally play, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, that's, you know, that's probably, yeah, it didn't take, it didn't take me long. I mean, I was was one of those guys who used to throw it back, you know, like, ah, yeah. Oh yeah. Without a doubt. And I was, I was the guy that ran guys over and, you know, I was an idiot, you know? Um, But, you know, not, not in a softball field, never on a softball field. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, in in high school and. um, Yeah. All that. And I was the guy that was trying to run through walls to, you know, make a play. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I know about that for sure. Softball players are awful people. What, what, just, <laughs> what just happened? Uh, Chris, let's go all the way back to your very – I want the earliest memories. And I know you brought up football, and there's going to be a lot of football. But sift through all the football. We'll talk football in a little bit. Your well, earliest, earliest memories – of baseball and what it looked like in your neighborhood and w- with your friends. All right. So I grew up, I was born in Providence, Rhode Island. Uh, grew up in a neighborhood just outside of Providence uh, called Smithfield, Rhode Island. Um, the, my earliest memory, honestly, I think I was three years old playing in the sandlot between houses. 
with my with my older brothers. And I went up left-handed, and they started yelling at me, dude, what are you doing? I'm like, this is how I want to hit. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's my earliest memory for sure of playing ball. When you're but, get, you know, when you're getting a little bit older, uh, and you're trying to get uh, kids together in your neighborhood, but you can't come up with 17 other friends to play baseball, it's impossible. You're that getting was always that was always the case. You never, I never had like 18 guys. So, so what were some of the circumstances field wise, rules wise that you had to incorporate into your, into your baseball life early? Uh, there was a lot of home run derby, a lot of home run derby or, or you call your field, you call your field, right? So if you had, you know, let's say you had four guys, a team, all right, you had an outfielder, infielder and a, you know, and then ghost runners and, you know, pitcher's mound is an out, right? Back to the pitchers, the out. Um, so you have to call your field. That's it. Yeah. Gloves or bare hands? Um, I think it depended on the day. But mostly, you know, a lot of wiffle ball. Yeah. But gloves, gloves sometimes, depending on the field, right? You know, not every field can support a hard ball. Yeah. I feel like children – I love when you ask this question because I feel like when – like we're almost as vintage baseball players. We learn how to catch a ball barehanded better – like first and better and then we get the glove and then we lose all that initial hand-eye coordination that makes you a great fielder because you rely on the glove and like then it's like it's like you're re- being reintroduced to it when uh, once you discover vintage baseball as a kid we i never had the glove like we had a tiny yard so we would just use tennis balls racquetballs oh, yeah, yeah. whatever we could find to hit yeah, and yeah yeah, I know. I know. I know all about that kind of you know, backyard play, and you know, tape the wiffle ball together, get some electrical tape, and tape that wiffle ball back up together because it's the only one we got. So, yeah, absolutely. You guys play in. The, uh, here's a question, just a rules question that I'm not uh, sure about. Eighty four, eighty six baseball. You guys don't. What year did they stop the whole? You have to use the ball the entire match. The same ball. That's a, good, that's a good question. I'm not. I'm not 100 percent sure. I don't you, know. We all, we all, Are you guys using the same ball for 86 rules, or are you switching out? Uh, we usually we usually provide two, just to keep the game of the uh, pace of play going. Because if not, then it'd be a really really slow game. You know, a lot of foul balls. You're going to be chasing that ball. So, I, I know at Old Page. When I first started playing in Obethpage, we would try and play with one ball. Yep. Uh, have you done any umpiring? I have, yeah. Both 86 and, and 64. Can you yep. can you compare and contrast your umping style to Dean Emma's? Dean Emma's? <laughs> I try to be as good as Dean. Dean. That man's Dean in control of the entire match. What's that? He's in control of the entire match. He and he should be, and he should be, and nobody messes with him. I would, I would believe. Yes, absolutely. Uh, don't bring up that guy. <laughs> oh, yeah. I saw. I watched him. I watched him do that game. I think you were you were there against the Canton Cornstarters. He did a great game. He called a great game. Yes, and he's he, he's got this bitch face on the entire time, so nobody <laughs> approaches him. It's like no. Just no. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't. 
I love Dean too much, and we have such a special relationship. I don't think I could be a part of any type of 86-84 game when he is umping because I would just want to chat with him and give him give him shit and just talk to him. And that's what I'm used to. I, you, I might, you might get some calls, though. You might get some calls if you do that. So it's always good to have, as a catcher, it's good to have a good rapport with the umpire. Yeah, I have a feeling he's he's not biased at all. I have a, <laughs> I just have this feeling about him. Uh, how many games did you play on that main field at Old Beth Page that weekend? I know I saw you I once. Think, I think we played twice. One once one, once each day. Speaking yeah, of Old played, Beth, I think we played we played the Canton and then we played um, actually I think it was two that first day. And we play the Atlantic. Yeah, they, yeah. We, they both teams lumped us, gave us a good beat. Uh, yeah, they whooped that ass. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> you can actually go back into our archives uh, for the audio of those games. I did gameplay of those. Uh, did you? Okay. I fell in love with uh, the 84 baseball that day. I fell in love with it. Uh, wow. It was just such a different. What about, what about it? What about what about it? Did you? Uh, it was like there was. I always I always think baseball is like this chess game, and I don't see a lot of teams in the Midwest. Sorry, Midwest, I'm picking on you again. I just don't see them out there playing chess. I see them out there uh, crushing. I see them out there playing yeah. softball a lot. I don't mm-hmm. like it. Uh, I like chess. Do you think? Do you- you think the non? Do you think the non stealing contributes to some of that non chess? I think we do the non stealing because of. I think we do it because of the kind of players that come into vintage baseball can't do it. Okay, it's it's we're getting a different we're getting a different type of ball player in the Midwest, and I think the rules sometimes show that. I don't see. Mm-hmm. I don't. And Rudy, I'm going to let you go off on this on a little bit. But when you're talking 67 ball, which is the higher skill level in the Midwest, you're talking about a lot of beef. There's a lot of beef on those teams. Hence, there's no stealing. I think uh, it's the pace for me. It's the pace of play. Um, You know, I grew up playing vintage baseball here in Ohio got accustomed to a certain style of vintage baseball living in and playing in New York was the breath of fresh air that, you know, I needed to be like, Oh my gosh. And I think barrel roller, you can hear it when you're calling the game. It's the pace. Everything is moving. And it's not just an 86, 84 thing. It's a 64 thing. The pace of the game is quicker. They, they just, they don't mess around. And yes, we do have beefy guys, Ian Frias, that just get up there. And... That's some solid beef, though. That's yeah, solid that's, beef, and he can motor. That's, oh, he can that's, motor. A, that's different beef. That's, that's not the beef motor. I was referring to. <laughs> no, but they like it. it oh, no, he hits it so far. Does he really have to run that fast? Exactly. He. I saw that guy. We just played a game two weeks ago, and he cr- like crushed, and the ball was garbage. Let's just say. I mean, the ball was absolute. So it wasn't a quirky ball. Let's hope it wasn't. It a was not. I don't know where it came from, but it needs to stay wherever it came from. But like he crushed the ball, easy stand-up double. Could have had a, 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 a three bagger if he was hustling, but he he ran into the first baseman, 
And he was just like, never mind. And and so he just like stopped in the middle and walked back to the first base. So yes, once he gets going, you can't he can't get that stop. But anyway, so oh, was the first baseman was the first baseman okay? The first baseman definitely <laughs> like moved. Like the first yeah, baseman wasn't then. a little guy either, and it was just like he didn't he did he wasn't expecting it. He didn't know what to do. But I think the East it's this East Coast Midwest style that everyone, I mean, you know, there is a difference, unfortunately. And yes, I would agree that stealing does play a role in it. And, and we're, we're getting closer. It's baby steps. No. It's something I've been working on. We've been working on no. for barrel roll. There are no. unrestricted teams in the Midwest. Do you know how many unrestricted teams existed in the Midwest prior to like five years ago? Two. Was it just one? Which is the one? The regulars. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's it. So now it's getting there. We're getting there. It's just going to be a slow process. So the, fun, the fun guys, aren't the, uh, they're not unrestricted? The f- they, came, they came east and they, they seemed all right with the game. You're seeing, you're seeing teams from the Midwest being willing to play any style. And that's mm-hmm. I think that's what you came across with the, the Fillmore fun guy. But that's not what they play, no. They were just uh, no. willing to play it. Uh, you know, when, when I'm calling the game, I don't mean to sound like a professional here, but when I'm calling an 84 game, I don't have to fill for one thing because there's balls and strikes that are happening. There's things and it's nonstop. When Rudy and I were calling the flat rock invitational and everything, even at the world's tournament, Greenfield village, it's awful is we're, we're filling because so many pitches are being taken and, Rudy, by the way, that reminds me. Let me say it. And what, what year is that usually are they playing in that tournament? 67. 67. 67. Uh, they are not very quick to get to people hurt, uh, swinging the bat or calling balls. They're, they did, they don't get there. So, so that's why strikes only became involved, right? That's why it evolved. And so uh, – we're filling time and stuff between every pitch. Rudy, what I want to do in the future is I just want to have a little bell sound on my board. So even though we're talking and we're filling because there's another pitch and another pitch and another, I want to hit the ding every time a pitch goes by. So everybody knows that a pitch just happened. You know, they just hear us talking and we're not going to sit there and talk about just another pitch that went by and nobody did anything with it. It's not a ball. It's not a strike. It's not a thing. And, uh, and we don't play, you know, the balls, good radio, right? the ball, oh right. It's terrible sometimes. Uh, it's, it's, well, it's a good thing we had uh, Rudy and Jeff Kozlowski. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I talked to myself out that, that day. Is that, is that normal for, is that normal for the Midwest game? You know what, Chris, it 100% is because then this very game that I was just referencing, I was pitching and I am up there and I'm not, I'm throwing 10 pitches before the ball is put into play like, and, and these aren't crap pitch. I mean, yes, some of them were bad, but there was one guy who let three pitches right down the center of the plate belt high, just watched them and then made a comment. It was like, I didn't expect you to throw good pitches. And then that, that at bat, that at bat gets so, at bat take a long time here, Chris. Like it's, it's pretty ridiculous. That's the one I'd rather have balls and strikes over stealing. That's the if if I could say it, yeah, I, I, I want I, I need someone to call some balls and strikes. Just get it yeah. going. Yeah. Um, you know, I, we 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 kind of see that sometimes when we go to other tournaments. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, it's all it's all contingent upon the umpire. Sometimes 
he'll call it, you know, a quick game, like balls and strikes. And oh, I'm not used to that. Okay, that was all right. But I, 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 I would side on the fact make make the guy swing the bat. That's what we're all here to do, folks. Swing the bat. Yeah, I've had teams uh, ask me to, ask me to come out and umpire, and I tell them you don't you don't want that because you're going to be playing a different game and, <laughs> and you're going to get mad at me. Yeah, yeah. Let's just know. <laughs> Is anybody ever happy with the umpire though? I think that's the our umpires. Well, I should ask you: Is anybody ever unhappy with the umpires on the East? Because our umpires are pretty much oh, without a doubt, of course, non-existent. Yeah, without a doubt, without, without a doubt, guys get upset. Without a doubt, guys get upset with the umpires. And you know, it's because you know, cool it's because you don't agree with the location of a pitch that just got called, or or the yeah, umpires are more involved. Like, yeah, true. And uh, the yep. umpires in the Midwest, their job is to call the ball foul and to call it foul loudly. <laughs> and that's it. That's all the, that's the expectation out of an umpire. They can do more, but that's the expectation. You guys, you know have, a, you guys have a pool of umpires or is it always like you guys have to have somebody volunteer from uh, the other team? Nobody wants to umpire. I think that's, I think that's vintage baseball's biggest like yes. need. I think it's a, it's a universal no matter where you go, without a doubt. I don't. Doubt. I I've I will umpire. I will ump. I will call matches. I don't. You know. I've been doing this long enough that I'm comfortable in doing it. I don't know if it's a lack of people being comfortable with the rules, or comfortable with the person having to make a call on and have people upset with them. But it is. I think vintage vintage baseball in general. There's just a lack of umpires, even on my club. Like when we go to an event and we're asked to umpire a match that we have off, like it, I, I, it's rare that I get anybody to step up and be like, yeah, I'll umpire this match. It'll more likely be, be me. What I wanted to ask you about umpiring is how do you handle those situations where you make a call and you someone's pissed off about it? Like what, <laughs> what do you do? Um, I explain the situation. I say, this, that's how I saw it, man. That's how I saw it. Nice. You know, if, you don't, if you don't agree with it, well, you know, too bad. We disagree. That's much right. different than the yeah. Dean Emma glare. He doesn't say anything. <laughs> he just looks at Believe me, I, like, you know, <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll play a game with Brian Travers, and it's always, it's always a, a, fun, a fun event. You know, it's always back and forth. You know, Brian, Brian and I are good buddies. And we always, you know. He'll, he'll argue and I'll argue and, you know, we'll come to a consensus and I will always be right. <laughs> uh, speaking yes, of Brian, I got to get Brian back on here. We did an episode with him, but I did not get uh, near as much out of him as I wanted. Uh, so we got to we gotta look ahead to Brian Travers later this year, Rudy. Uh, he'll hear this. Just give, just give him the mic. He'll fill up the hour. You won't even have to ask him. <laughs> he, he, wasn't, he wasn't like that, though. I mean, he talked. Really? But he wasn't like uh, – one of those guys that just rattles, which I love, by the way. It gives me all kinds of time to do stuff. Uh, but uh, am I going to see you at Rocky Point? You shall. You, you shall see us there. And uh, there. My, hopefully my son will be there, and maybe I'll have my, my youngest join us too. He's a very, very good football player. And you've played, you've played at this Rocky Point Festival before? Twice. Yeah, last year and the year prior. Can you tell yeah, – can you tell – the people uh, a little something about this festival and who puts it on and everything? Well, this is um, a festival that goes on, I believe it's mid-August. Is it mid-August? Yeah, mid-August. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and it's put on by the Providence Grace. They put on a great event. It's uh, how many fields have we got? There's three fields. Um, it's at a, lo- a local park. I can't remember the a Rocket Rocket Point Park, but it used to be an amusement park. Oh. So you'll have like old little. Uh, I think there's you know like what's the thing that used to carousel take the go up merry-go-round carousel not a merry-go-round you know like ski lift like a ski lift type thing oh okay. Okay. Out in center field there's a couple of those like in the in the you know like some old architecture is still there and i they, babe ruth used to actually play they used to be a baseball field down by the water and so there's a little plaque down there it's, is, it's a very cool little spot is this the place where babe ruth ran into the water after a match or I something so. like that, there's some I story. So. This is it. Sweet. Yeah. I mean, you can see Newport right across the, right across the bay. It's, it's it's a great little spot. You'll love it. It's hot as hell though. Oh, that's all right. Uh, yeah. So I'm going to be there the Saturday. That would be the 17th? 19th. 19th is Saturday. 20th is Sunday. I'm going to be there for okay. the 19th, calling all the games on whatever field I set up at. Uh, yeah. And then I'm going to be in Boston for the week for the first time ever. And I'm going to Fenway park to watch the tigers destroy the Red Sox on, uh, very very well could happen. Sox are not a very good ball club this year. That's okay. Yesterday was the first time all season. I said, you know what? Tigers, not that good. (laughs) I've been, I've been given (laughs) excuses. I've been given excuses all season about how we're hurt. Lots of players on the disabled list. If we just had everybody and they're still hanging in there pretty good, Hovering around 500, but you know what? Not a good team. Nope. I'm out. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm well, off you'll the You'll enjoy Fenway Park. Fenway's, Fenway's great. Fenway's, uh, the neighborhood is, is awesome. It just, that's a great atmosphere. Uh, yeah. Looking forward to that. Uh, Chris, it says here, oh, damn it. I lost my screen. It, it told me what you do for a living, or at least what you used to do for a living. I don't even know what I do for a living. What do I do for a living? <laughs> Former design was, director at TV. the Tri- I was in TV for a long time. I, was, I did broadcast TV for a long time, and uh, currently I work, I do, uh, I'm an editor, videographer for a media company. Is that how that you explain the looks? Is, is that how no, you I'm met? Always behind. I'm always behind. I'm the production guy. Is that how you met Chuck? No, actually, no. I just met, met honestly, Chuck, how did I meet Chuck? Um, you know, I, on the Waitley, Waitley team, the Waitley team. He was he was a member of the Waitley team. That's how I met him. And then, like those couple of years that I took off, he would invite me out to play some '86. Um, and I'd play, you know, I play a couple '86 games. We play against the Providence. Well, I'm not sure what, not the grades, but the uh, the hands, the game hands. You graduated, or you didn't graduate. I don't know if you graduated. Boy, I shouldn't have let off with that. You studied fine arts at the Central Connecticut State University. The Blue Devils, yes, Central, yeah. Uh, what are the fine arts that you studied? What exactly were you in? Commercial design and marketing. The commercial graphic design, basically, for the marketing minor. So is that what you were doing with the TV? Is you were doing like... Uh, yeah, I was doing the... Uh, well, I was, it was in operations first because, you know, I, I was I was a dad, so I took whatever job they had and uh, worked there, worked in operations, worked my way up through um, almost, I worked in almost every department at the TV station. So. Cameraman? Cameraman, sure. You cameraman. did cameraman, huh? Of course, yeah. Camera and switcher and graphics and 
You name it, I did it. Have you ever had to utilize your skills for vintage baseball? Um, well, we, you know, I don't know what you mean by my skills. Well, I see you out there taking (laughs) pictures all the time. You're out there taking a ton of pictures. Yeah, I mean, graphic design. I do. You know, I I I haven't put up a website in a while. Um, but I, you know, with with Greg Martin and uh, his vintage baseball factory, all all his all that stuff was designed by me, um, mostly like the website and the logo and um, even some of the uniforms. Um, so yeah, you know, we also you know we. We we did do a game on ESPN, and I was uh, I I helped out you know, with with uh, some of those guys. So yeah, it was nice. very cool. Uh, what do you do now? It says you stopped doing that in 2015. What do you what do you what is your current occupation like? We've got everything. I feel like I'm on an interview for a job. Um, oh, huh. I was working. I working for. I was working for a, a marketing agency for a couple of years, and now uh, with COVID, things kind of you know, changed, and uh, now I work for a we call it we call ourselves a digital marketing company. We do uh, a lot of digital displays for corporations in the area, hospitals and uh, museums and all that. Yeah. And we build content. You know, we create content for them. Too. What is what is something that you collect? Nobody knows about. You're a collector of something, right? About? Everybody collects uh, something. What is it? I don't know if nobody knows about it, but I collect a lot of like baseball paraphernalia, uh, ephemera, and uh, a lot of catcher's masks. I collect catcher's masks. And you're talking 1880s catcher's masks, yeah? Yeah. Well, I don't know if they go back that far. They might be like turn of the century. Yeah. You so, just yeah. Uh, you just did a little look there. Yeah, you got something? Oh, look at that. I think, you know, I think Gunner's got probably 10 of these things. That's you know, gunner genetics. So, yeah, I got I got several of them, but uh, and they and they we put them to use. So, yeah. it's time to talk football, Chris. Talk to me. All right. Who's your team? You know what? That's funny. I I, I grew up with. Uh, don't don't hate me. I grew up a Cowboys fan. I was a Roger Staubach fan. I loved the Cowboys. But <laughs> when when uh, Jerry Jones came in, dude, I, I had I had to leave. I don't like how he treated Tom Landry. So I, you know, now I'm, I, I guess, you know, I'm, I'm a Patriots fan. I'm uh, really, really, oh, I'm really, I'm really, I root for, I root for players. I'm not a big NFL exactly. guy. I root for players. So no, you, you know. root for who's ever America's team at the time. That's what you do, Chris. <laughs> it does sound like that. <laughs> but I, swear to God. I swear to God. It does sound like that. I, I, but seriously, I mean, I am from New England, so yeah. Only makes sense. It's not. It's not your fault. This is natural. Yeah, no, it's Patriots Brady, fans are it? awful it's people. Uh, you know, when I was growing up, the Cowboys were on. Were on. It seemed like every week following sixty minutes, the Cowboys were on. Uh, with uh, Danny White was actually who I who I grew up with was Danny White. Sorry. Sorry. Well, Danny I wasn't a Cowboys fan, so I didn't care. But it was football oh, okay. I got to watch. You're a Lions fan? Uh, no, I'm a Lions supporter. Uh, I, I refer to myself to as the that. Lions I'm, I'm going to root for the Lions this year. Is I, I, I go to Lions games. I root for the Lions. Uh, I want them to do well. But I believe that the true definition of fan is 
taken from the word fanatic. And I am not fanatical about the Detroit Lions because whether they win or lose, I do not feel any emotion about it. Therefore, I cannot yeah. call myself a fan. I'm a Miami Dolphins fan. I bleed okay. I bleed the teal and orange like no man should. It's a terrible existence. It's interesting uh, how football has no like regional alliance. It really doesn't. You could, you could, you know, it's not like baseball. Baseball is, you know, you're from New England, you're root for the Fox. You're from Michigan, you're root for the uh, Tigers. You know, I would say there's a lot of Braves fans out there because they were the only team you could get on TV on a regular basis. Yeah, so you fell in love with the Braves. The reason yeah. why I went to the Dolphins is because uh, when I was first getting uh, exposure to football, Dan Marino was on the University of Pittsburgh, and they played those games every Saturday. It was like Pittsburgh and Notre Dame. I saw those teams every Saturday and I'm like, and Dan Marino was Sunday morning. Sure. And I was like, well, whatever team he goes to, that's where I'm going. And that, and that's where it was. He got, he got drafted by Miami. He should have been drafted by Kansas city. Uh, They thought he had a little bit of an attitude problem. And the attitude problem was a guy who wanted to win. So good job on that chiefs. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> never won a Super Bowl though. He never won a Super Bowl. Came close. Yeah. Came I, close. I don't want to talk about this anymore. Uh he went to <laughs> one his first year. His first full year as a starting quarterback, he went to the Super Bowl. Yeah. It's not his fault he ran into the greatest quarterback of all time, not Tom Brady, Joe Joe Montana is who I'm talking about. I cannot yeah. uh we will not do Tom Brady talk. Yeah, I'm also a Michigan State fan. <sighs> We will not talk about that. You're, you're not a Wolverine fan, huh? Not a Wolverine no, fan? No, no, God, communists. No way. <laughs> <That's awesome. laughs> Tom Brady. I think college football is, I think college football is much better as a fan to go watch live than an NFL game. I, oh. I, I'm not a big NFL live guy. It's not the experience I want. Uh, I usually go down to just about every state game. I didn't last year, but that's been our modus operandi. And, uh, it's a great experience. I love it. The tailgates are great. The 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 camaraderie of the fans. Your everybody's your friend. Is it on campus? Do they play on campus? Yes. Or is it off? Yep. Yeah. And better. and uh, the beautiful thing at Michigan State, and I don't know how it is around the rest of the college landscape, but there's never any fights. There's never any issues. There's never kids. All the kids are so well-behaved, at least the ones I see. The only problem is, is when they win a big game, they like to throw their couches out and set them on fire. Hey, kids are kids, you know? <laughs> Sounds like an average Saturday night, right, you know? <laughs> uh, hey, uh, how has your season gone so far, Chris? Uh, we start, we're starting off pretty good. We've, you know, we've had a couple of rain dates, but um, we started off pretty pretty, pretty good, knock on wood. Um We've been hitting the ball and fielding the ball well. So that usually equals wins. So we've been winning. We've been winning. Yeah. Uh, tell me some of your favorite places up and down the East Coast. There's so many great locations to play baseball at. Uh, geez. This, boy, I just heard about this this George's Island in Boston thing. Yeah. No, I've never been there. I've been invited. been invited. Unfortunately, I couldn't, I couldn't make it. Um, but you know what? I like the Sandlot the best. Oh yeah. So there's a place in there's a place in well it's not Providence it's Cranston when uh, you know Patrick Riley he ran uh, he started the uh, Onlyville Cadets 
um, yeah. only builds a neighborhood in Providence. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a basically a neighborhood playground. And um, let's just say there were probably there was other things would go on at that playground that was not uh, necessarily family friendly. Sounds like a Saginaw experience. <laughs> but I tell you what, it was a total sandlot. It, it felt like you know, like you're, you're playing in the movie Sandlot. You know, it was just like this. I think there was uh, playgrounds in, in left field, and you know, but it was it was a great place to play. I I loved it. And then we played a double. It was a double header there. It was '86 game, '86 game, and there was a team from New Hampshire called up uh, New Hampshire Granite playing. Um, the Pittsfield Hillies, Jim Bowden's team, and these two teams were stacked. These guys were, we're talking just fantastic baseball players. I saw probably the best vintage baseball game of my life. These guys, two, two guys played minor league baseball that were pitching. And it was, just, I think it was a three to, three to one game. And the New Hampshire team won in the last inning. It was great. It was great. People were going crazy. People were arguing. It was, it was, it was great. And this little tiny, neighborhood playground it's awesome we got somebody from the new hampshire granite coming on the coming on the podcast in uh, a month or two uh brian donahue catcher brian donahue okay. he was the catcher yeah. of the granite uh he's gonna come yeah. on yeah that, he, he probably knows um sean sean barry he was the pitcher sean's a great pitcher he played uh he played he played up at the king state and played for the Mets organization and then uh he had his buddy Pete Duda, who was a he's the guy that started New Hampshire Granite. He was their catcher. Fact about him, he never wore a cuff and he caught every game. I'm like, oh, hey, what are you doing, bro? <laughs> wow. Uh, you know, we're out of time. Damn it. Uh, Chris, we did not have enough time with you. Uh, no, no. Let's keep going. What I mean, mean we're uh, out of time. <laughs> <laughs> what are you running up against? What's the next show? What's the next show on the reel? Uh, <laughs> no, we don't have. No, we'll keep talking. We're gonna te- We're gonna keep talking until Rudy's wife yells downstairs. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> it's not yet, Rudy. We're not there yet. <laughs> Chris, have you ever played any Midwest teams like uh, Gettysburg or anything like that? Have you played a Midwest? Uh, yeah, we, we did. We played the Fillmore Fun Guy and uh, Beth Page. Was it last year? Okay. I think it was last year or the year prior. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and I think that's it. So you don't have experience with the big hitters, the big hitter 67 teams in the Midwest. Not true. I guess Ken. We, we played Ken last year, too. Ken we played Ken and Beth Page, right? Oh, yeah. yeah they oh, they got owned. You guys got so owned. Uh, <laughs> it's You know what's frustrating about Canton is they don't, they don't look like world beaters. You look at them and you're like, ah, ah, but they yeah, play the ball game. They right. hit was screaming. That's for sure. Every ball they hit was screaming right by the pitcher. Yeah. Or they, over the outfield. Side. They loved, uh, they loved that match. They love playing that style of baseball. They, they, they're, in, they were just in Colorado. They just played a weekend in Colorado. They travel. They want to play everybody and all the rule sets and they they have no life. They don't understand children, Chris. They don't understand relationships and and stuff like that. They just don't get it yet. They're they're having no, too much fact, fun. The fact about the, the fact about the Harper Senators regarding relationships is not not good. I think in the twelve years we existed, there were probably eight divorces. 
Oh, oh my, my God. <laughs> what the hell? Some of those road trips were, were, were black. So let's uh, just believe it that. But what, are, yeah, what, what are some of your favorite road trips? Like, and, and uh, let's talk about, because road trips. I think you're not a vintage. Yeah. I don't think you're a vintage baseball team until you go on a road trip. You know, I don't think you're really a team. You know, I mean, that's that's where you're really. First of all, that's where you have the most fun, and that's where you actually bond as, as a team. Um, well, I think one of my fun, one of my funnest was um, Hancock, New York, which is like on the Delaware River in south southwestish, southeastish New York, and it is you know in the middle of nowhere. Okay. Middle of nowhere. We were at some festival. It was, we got down there on a Friday night and it was still middle of July. It was hot as heck. And we were out till four in the morning at the local bar, closed down the local bar. <laughs> and we go out and play a double header in a hundred degree heat. And, and you know what, uh, barrel roller, uh, I learned this from Dean. It's called the, uh, BBA. The bounce back ability, and uh, because they took us out in North Carolina, well, they didn't take us out. We went out drinking with the Atlantic Baseball Club in North Carolina and That's shut fun. the place down. And then we <laughs> had to play them at like ten o'clock the next morning. We did not bounce back like them. Yeah. So let's, let's just say that. it was a it was a rough match. Sometimes it's strategic though. Oh. Sometimes it's strategic. Oh, sure, That's, sure. We did Here, the tournament, the here's, some, here's some shots, guys. Wait a second. <laughs> wait a second. You stop it right now, Chris. This was uh, this was 13 years ago. Are you telling me I got played oh, by definitely. the Atlantic? I think you definitely got played. Oh, my God. I've I, heard I this you, story. I think you got played willingly, though. I think you got you played see? willingly. Would do that to me? That hurts my heart. Oh, you love it. You love it. I do. <laughs> you know, I don't uh, I don't drink a lot anymore because I don't want to find out what my bounce back ability is like. Oh, no, my bounce back ability left me long ago. <laughs> yeah, I can't bounce back. Yeah. It might take me a full day. I got no time for that. Uh, hey, you, uh, you go to any Patriots games? Because I hear that stadium is out in the middle of nowhere. It is. I actually went to the Cincinnati – uh, pay, uh, Patriots game last season. I think it was November. It was zero degrees out. Is there Ooh. is there only my one beard, road beard, in and out of there? Pretty much, pretty much. It's gotten better. It's gotten better. Um, but yeah, it's Route One. It's it. It's yeah. It's not. It's not the best. It's not in the best spot. It is not in the best spot. They wanted to come to Hartford. They should have come to Hartford. But that was a ploy. That was a ploy. Tell us and romanticize about your current home field that you play at. Paint a picture for home? us. Paint a picture, Chris. Paint a picture for you. You're a well, graphic designer. <laughs> it is a picture, picture old 19th century buildings. Actually, picture a 19th century prison. That's where we play. We play on an old ground that used to be a prison. So romantic. Continue. It is very romantic. <laughs> <laughs> The, the Connecticut uh, Bulldogs. We play, we play an old Weathersfield, and there's an old prison that we play on top of now. So, and there's a couple of buried prisoners in the yard. So, yeah, those are the ones you know about. You're not playing yeah, sure. on top of them, are you? That's bad karma. 
well, we actually do pretty well there. I don't know what that means about us, though. It's bad karma for the other team. What a home field advantage. Yeah, totally. And, and so romantic. Uh, <laughs> Lots of love in prison, man. If you, go, if you go online and you look up uh, the Connecticut Bulldogs, uh, you'll find a picture of Chuck Chicarello in that red and white striped jacket. But other than that, you will find this place that they play at. And it's actually, it looks amazing, actually, in all the pictures. So... Uh, it's intimidating playing next to a big structure like that. No, really, not at all. Oh, you talking? Are you talking? Which, which field are you talking about? Are we talking because we play in multiple fields. You said that's the one. You're to the, the the fort in in New London. Okay, that's totally different. That's yeah. Then I guess that's what I'm talking about. The prison's yeah, not very big then. Say that again. The prison's not the very big then. Huge. The structure's huge. Yeah, it's a big fort with cannons on it and all that. Yeah, boats, you know, old boats go sailing by. It's kind of a very cool venue. Um, yeah. But the, the fort's probably a thousand feet away. Nobody's ever going to reach it. But you are probably still playing on dead bodies, so home field still exists. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Rudy, when you played on the Gotham's, did you did you run across Chris at all when you were out there? I don't believe our past. When did you play on the Gotham? Uh, 2008. 2008. I was, yeah, 2008. I was, uh, I don't think I, cause I joined the Gotham's late June, early July. Um, so I missed most, like the first half of the season, but finished it out with them. But yeah, I that's the, I don't, I don't recall ever actually playing the Gotham's. Yeah. Um, because we played a lot of eight, we strictly played eight. 80. And and the, I think the one eighty game I played was against the Grays, uh, and that was I hadn't played an eighty game since nineteen ninety eight. My very first one, I was like seventeen, sixteen, seventeen years old, and I played against like Mick Lich and them and Beth, an old oh, best. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. love playing. That's who our one of our first games as the Senators. We played the Mutuals, and they were kind of like the guys you wanted to you know emulate. Right. Yeah, and they had a really stacked team. They were really good. Yeah, and I was like, kind of like your son in the sense that I had to go out and pitch, and my brother caught. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was wild. No, oh. I mean, yeah, it's, it's so wild, Barrel, that you're talking about like the Gotham's years because, like, it literally, I, can't, Chris, I mean, I don't think you. I think in the sense that if you were to come to the Midwest, you would meet individuals that are like minded like you, but the game would be a little harder for you to digest in the moment, mm, but like vomit, like, Oh, that's not what, is that not what you mean? He would vomit. I didn't mean vomit. He would vomit yeah. on the field. He would, he would, I don't think so. But he, he would meet, he would meet like-minded individuals that would, you know, get what vintage baseball is about. And I think that that really is something that every vintage base, like I'll just say it right now. I think more Midwest teams need to take the Fillmore fun guys and the Canton corn chuckers, and early Columbus Capitals, take that approach. Head out to the East Coast. There's so many clubs, so many great people out there. Oh, we would love to have. We would love to have anybody that comes, you know, and and play our style of game, and we'll play a game like like you know, we'll do a oh, double header. We'll play your way. Play yeah, yeah, way. yeah. That's a very unlikely scenario. They can't even make home matches in their hometown around here. Okay, yeah. so let's chill out on that. But what we do need, we need teams to bring in an East Coast guy. How does this sound to you, Chris? Off the top of my head. 
you contact one of these these studs from the East Coast that have all the respect and and you know have all the knowledge and of the game, you you buy them an airplane ticket. Your team pitches in. You buy them an airplane ticket to come play with your sad excuse of a vintage baseball team, and they come and they play with you in a weekend tournament, and they teach you how to play vintage baseball, and then you can go back to the East Coast, and you've taught people in the Midwest how to do it, at least a team. That's the program that should start. A couple of guys, definitely a couple of guys on this side of the but you got to pay for the definitely. airplane ticket and the beer and the food. You got to treat these guys for the whole weekend, and then they will teach you everything you're doing wrong. You will hate them, but you'll be better for it. Happy ending. Yeah. Right? <laughs> oh, I well, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'm in. I'm in. Count me in. I'll 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 chuck out whatever it is. What's it like? All right, I got seven teams off the top of my head that could use you for a weekend uh, to learn things. I'll I'll let you know. Uh, Chris, tell us about your experiences in the Tough Mudder. Oh, the Tough Mudder! I, I, run, I did a couple of them. Um, they're fun. Dude. They were they were fun. I would, the first one I did was probably uh, what was it like 2014, 2013. Um, uh, Mount Snow. It, it, it was a fourteen mile trek up and down the mountain. It was fun. It was a, it was a good time. Fun. You got, the, you, got, you got to jump in an ice bath. You got to jump, run through fire. Um, you know, you get electrocuted. It's, you know, it's fun. You so those are, those yeah, are the go, obstacles. You Do you got to like climb things and, and stuff like that? Actually, the most, the, the most frightening thing was that they had a tunnel you had to go through that was like a hundred yards long. And it was, it was, it was not, that wasn't fun. So you're like bear crawling awesome. through a tunnel. Hey, bear crawling. Yeah. It was pitch dark. It was like, wasn't like a straight tunnel. It zigzagged. So you know, yeah. Yeah, weird. Tell us about the time you were in the tough mudder and you got hit in the penis. <laughs> <laughs> I got electrocuted. I got electrocuted in the penis. Oh, there you go. What an experience That's that is. Deep. But we've all experienced that. Uh, <laughs> oh, that was just like a Come on. So the uh you're have you done any of this tough mudder? You you said you did it twice. Did you was your son a part of this at all? Did you do this with the son? No, nope, nope. I actually did it with one of my uh, my good buddies, Matt March, who uh, played on the Senators, and he passed away a couple of years ago. Matt was a phenomenal baseball player and a, just a phenomenal, phenomenal guy. Matt was a great guy. He unfortunately had a, a loss of battle with cancer. Wow. Uh, and uh, yeah, oh, we're sorry to hear that. Uh, it was a, yeah, definitely not. If you go um, on, Matt, actually, my first game, our first game is on the Harper Senators. Just a story about who Matt is. We played the Grays. It was raining, and we were not too bright because we actually used a hard ball, modern hard ball in the rain. And Matt, Matt is a just phenomenal baseball player. He played center field. Somebody hit a low sinking line drive. Matt came charging in, and it's our first game. So you know, you learn, you learn, right? So he took one right off the fingertip. Oh! And he came running in. He came running in, and he's like, "Yeah, he's holding. He's holding it, holding it, holding it." And he's like, "Chris, take a look. Chris, take a look." And it was basically like a banana. Oh! It was. Oh. It, was it was. Yeah. So that was our first game. First. What, first injury. What, Matt came back the next year. What was your first injury? I got hit in the penis. 
No. <laughs> no, that's um, probably true. You took one in the uh, penis. I probably broke a finger. <laughs> I, I, I broke, I broke, I've broken a couple of fingers. I don't know if you oh. can kind of see that. Oh, yeah. You got a little, those are nice shapes. Oh, yeah. That, that one right there. Oh, yeah. look at that. That's not supposed to do that. Look at that. <laughs> that's, to do that. But that's what happens when you catch. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, catching the unforgiving position that it is. Uh, if, you go, if you go on uh, Chris's Facebook page, look through his photos, and you will see photos of him without the perfect facial hair that he currently has. You look so <laughs> damn young in those pictures. Jeez. I mean, you are younger. Because I was. But, but not that young. You look young. It's carried, <laughs> it's carried with you your whole life. How many years would you be able to knock off your age right now if you shaved clean? <laughs> Ten, easy. Boy, I have no idea. Uh, I don't know. You tell me. Ten. I got Rudy said I ten. I, I believe Rudy. Ten. Rudy says ten. 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 ten, easy. Trust me. Chris, All is right. it is it, a, is it a known fact that are you single right now? <laughs> You're single did right you now. My, pro, my profile on, did, you, did you see my profile on Bumble? Is that what happened? <laughs> is it is what is Bumble? Is that a thing? Bumble is a, a don't, don't, don't act like you don't know what Bumble is. I don't know what Bumble is. I'm a happily married okay. man. Okay. Uh, the Tigers okay. just right. scored yeah, on thought, a second were, No, it's just it's just it's just one of those stupid dating apps that is just horrible. They're not stupid. I met my wife on a dating app. <laughs> did you? Well, good. I'm glad Which one? Match.com. Uh, true story. Yay. I met her on match.com. Yep. Fantastic. Yes, I am single. I am single. Uh, Rudy, Rudy, there's something, there's <laughs> something wrong in the world, brother. I don't understand anything that's happening right now. So how many times have your uh, teammates tried to hook you up on terrible blind dates? Tell me the truth. <laughs> Actually, my buddy, Matt March, hooked me up. It wasn't a terrible. Actually, it wasn't a terrible blind date. She was actually very nice, and we actually dated for quite a while. Um, but he was the only teammate that did that. They all know better. <laughs> tell us about the blind. Tell us about a blind date that didn't go well. Most of my girls can see girls I date they can see though. That's you know. <laughs> all right, that's my dad joke of the. the, uh, the that was a good one. That uh, was a good uh, one. <laughs> barrel barrel doesn't think so. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do. I think you are a delight, sir. We need, uh, you know what? We're going to play. You ever watch the, the game or the, not the game show, the TV show, how I met your mother. Uh, yes. Okay. So whenever Ted's okay. single on there, uh, Barney always takes him to the bar and plays the game. Have you met my friend Ted? And then walks away. So at Rocky Point, we're going to play a little game called Have You Met My Friend Chris? And uh, we'll see how that turns deal. out. That's a deal. Uh, we'll go down to Newport. Well, there's, at least there's some probably good-looking young ladies or hey. older ladies. You don't need older ladies, Chris. Jesus Christ. We're looking in the 30-year-old 30, 30 age group for you. Oh, no. Why are you – <laughs> Let's just say this, Chris. I'm gonna. We're gonna. We're gonna stop beating. You guys this are giving dead. me bad. You guys are giving me yeah. bad reputation, man. We're gonna stop beating this dead horse. But I want you to know, I'm enacting the the Dean Emma clause that my wife will no longer be present at a game if I play you. <laughs> That's okay. Right. So 
that's how this is just gonna go. Cause oh come on, she's probably a lovely lady, and you know she's an amazing. She's the she's the love well, of my life. Why are you depriving her or well, me? Well, be- listen. When we went to Gettysburg and we played the the Atlantic, and my wife is a really accomplished photographer, and she's like, oh, I took all these great pictures, and then we went through <laughs> the pictures, and they're all of Dean Emma. I was like, what is going on here? So let's let that 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 puts this to rest. That's what we're gonna enact. You sure she wasn't just doing that to get get to you? Yeah, well, it worked. <laughs> My wife made a comment about Jim Terwilliger's eyes once, and she hasn't been to a game against Walker since. Uh, she'll be seeing Jim Terwilliger for the first time in eight years at the Akron Cup this <laughs> in a couple of weekends. <laughs> <laughs> so I understand all about those rules. Hey, uh, Rudy, do you have any more questions uh, before I uh, before I wrap this up? I do not. I mean, well, we're going to have to do Chris is the type of guest that deserves a second episode. So I'm, I'm good for right now. My cup oh, okay. has runneth over. Well, you know, Hey, listen, uh, anytime. I, I, I love, I love talking to you. I love talking about vintage baseball. You know, it's, it's obviously both a passion for all of us. Um, I think we all in the community love what we do, no matter if we disagree on certain points of play. We all know that we, uh, we come together and really respect what we this project, and we all love it, no matter what side of the uh, fence you're on. Um, we all love the game. We that's, all respect each other. That's so the that's wisdom of a 57-year-old man. But I was, I'm was i curious what 37-year-old Christopher would say along those same lines. Get out of my way. Get out of my way. <laughs> uh, Chris, come find me at the Rocky Point Festival. I'll put you in a chair next to me, and you can do some uh, color analysis of the matches that I'm doing play by play on. Let's do that. Cool. Let's do it. Uh, Yeah, that sounds great. Uh, Before we have a new career. Well, yes, but it's actually a career you've kind of been in just on the other side of it. I've never, yeah, I've never been on a microphone. Well, you just were. And now I'm going to make you a star. It's worked for Rudy. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, but before I, let you, <laughs> before I let you out of here, I do a little thing at the end of these episodes called giving you the old pepper. They're just a bunch of quick questions with quick answers just to get you to know better. Here's some music. What do you chew on during a baseball game? Uh, besides my fingernails, uh, sunflower seeds. When you get hit in the penis, what is the swear word of choice? Cocksucker. What was the first Major (laughs) League Baseball game you attended? Do you remember? I do. I do. It was 1975, Boston Red Sox versus the Oakland A's. I saw Jim Rice thrown into two double plays. Um, Yeah. Fox lost, I think. I went with my grandmother. Uh, By the way, Rudy. By the way, Rudy, Chris used up our swear word for the episode. So we can't say cocksucker anymore today. Okay. <laughs> Done. Okay. Okay. Uh, <laughs> we're only allowed one cocksucker. Damn it. I did it again. Uh, what was your, fi- what is your Where favorite? Is it? Is it, right? <laughs> what is your favorite pudding flavor? My favorite pudding. 
Yeah, your favorite flavor of pudding. pudding. If somebody puts chocolate. pudding in front of I you. I just got off pudding. Um, I would be chocolate. Come on, what else kind of pudding? You know, or banana. banana Ta- tapioca? Good. Vanilla? Nothing? Do I look like an old lady? Do I look like an old lady? I mean, tapioca does the body good. Uh, what yeah. is the food item that I should eat at Fenway Park? Uh, Fenway Frank. Or sausage and peppers. Actually, sausage and peppers outside the ballpark. Don't buy it in the ballpark. Um, yeah. Sausage and peppers, writing it down. Uh, what was the first concert you ever went to? Uh, it was the Cars. Oh, my God. What did they end with? What was the, what was the closer? Oh, my God. Dude, that, that means I didn't go. I, you know, Was it magic? I didn't go. I Tell was, me it was, was magic. Too, it was probably, magic. No. I, don't, I don't recall. That's probably a little too big. Who's going to drive you home? No. Yeah, that's right. No, that's not it. No, you're just you're just listing car songs, you know, Rudy. I'm looking for the closer, because I would have no idea what like, the cars would this close like with. Like 1980, I couldn't. I can't remember that far back. Magic. Uh, give me one of your baseball pet peeves. Baseball pet peeves. Pet peeves. Modern baseball. Any anything anything to do with baseball? Let's really get in there and analyze that brain of yours. Tell me something that bothers oh, well, you. One of my pet, pet peeves is watching uh, vintage baseball catchers catch like modern baseball. That's my pet peeve. Oh, somebody needs to teach them. We, we've I already. Do. I'm, <laughs> I'm probably I'm not making many friends, but you know, there's a lot of guys out there that catch like that. Um, I, I was fortunate enough to see um, a guy for the Graves, Robin's Graves, Gilly Feria, was phenomenal, and he played the position perfectly. And I kind of I try to emulate it. So. Chris, name a movie that's made you cry. Oh, my God. Um, Don't lie, either. Probably Little House on the Prairie, although it's not a movie. Yeah, Little House uh, on the Prairie. What the hell? I love that I show. Did not I expect- love that show. I did not. No, no offense. I've seen Little House on the Prairie. I just wasn't expecting that to be the answer. <laughs> I uh, think it got me through COVID. I think it got me through through COVID. Oh my God! Sure. I thought we were talking about I mean, when you were a kid. You, you, gotta, you, know, you, gotta you binged Little good. House on the Prairie during COVID. Yeah, it made me. It made me feel good. It was always a happy ending. <sighs> was it? Was it always a happy ending? Wasn't there a blind well, sister? Oh, and I thought there was a lot of tragedy in that show. Yeah, now, but they always survived. I mean, Nellie Olson was a bitch. I mean, well, you gotta have your antagonist. Yeah, I guess right? so. Uh, can you name an overrated Major League Baseball player, past or present? Um, oh boy, overrated. Um, I'm probably gonna a lot of people are gonna hate me, but I think Derek Jeter is a bit overrated. No, I agree. I'm on this. Oh, Rudy's not gonna like that. I totally agree. Sorry, he's, but I know he's got the I know he's got the numbers, but he does have the numbers. And I, that's I think it. I think the pinstripes um, glorify the guy. You guys are coming after the captain. I'm gonna I'm gonna go on mute for a second and just process this. <laughs> uh, the best thing Derek Jeter ever ever did was hand out gift baskets to the models he dated when they went home. <laughs> Not just models, random people as well. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean you got to throw in some randoms in there just to feel alive. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what was the first car you ever had, Chris? Ah, I believe it was a Chevy Nova. Nice. Chevy Nova. No, it wasn't a nice. It was an. It was like a Toyota, slash, you know, back like in the eight, late eighties. I think, you know, that that car, that Chevy Nova, that looked like a Toyota. 
Yeah, not not a 1969 Chevy Nova. No, it was like a 1987 Chevy Nova. Yeah. Uh, what did you want to be when you grew up? Honestly, I wanted to be a boxer. Muhammad Ali was my guy. I love Muhammad Ali. I wanted to be a boxer. How far boxer. into boxing? And my mother said no, effing way, man. Oh, What's you didn't that? even get started in that. You never got to do any boxing. No, I was saying I wanted my mother to get me a heavy bag and get me a you know a hanging bag. You know, she's like, no, you're not going to be a boxer. <laughs> that is amazing. Paper, rock, or scissors? Rock. Your favorite baseball movie? Sandlot. Uh, and give us uh, finally to wrap this up. Give us your. Mount Rushmore of Dallas Cowboy football players when you were a kid. Dallas Cowboy. Well, obviously, Roger Staubach, Tony Dorsett, Bob Lilly, uh, Randy White. That's it. Um, you only get four. Nope. Four. I thought there was five. Okay. No, those, there's four. not. There you go. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, does Tom, does Tom Landry? I got to put Tom Landry kind of like, you know. You got to take somebody man. off then. You got to take somebody off. Oh, that's easy. Um, I'll take off Randy White and put on Tom uh, uh Yeah, because we don't talk Patriots on this podcast, so we went with Cowboys. <laughs> hey, uh, Chris, thanks so much for being on the show. Uh, you delivered, brother. People were uh, – there's a lot of anticipation, people wanting to listen to you, so I will tell you this. Yeah, I, hope I, I, hope, I hope I didn't disappoint anybody. You are thought very highly <laughs> – in the in the 19th century baseball community on the east coast you have a lot of friends uh when we talk about the brothers i've been lucky enough to to know all those guys the the family and brothership that happens in vintage baseball and it happens over here in the midwest too but uh over on the east coast it's a different animal and uh and you are a well-liked and respected man and you should know that going forward and people shouldn't find out about that when they're laying in their coffin at their funeral. You should know that ahead of time. So, so sir, uh, you are well-liked out there, and uh, we've gotten a great response before the episode is dropped. So a lot of people are looking forward to listening to you. So Hopefully a lot of people tune in and uh, we boost up your program. I, I, to be honest, I, I listen to you guys every every week. Dude. It's been my it's, – um, it's been my uh, – when I work out, I turn it on and I know I get an hour's worth of uh, entertainment while I'm running and jogging and lifting weights. Uh, thanks. And the next time you get hit in the penis, please think of us. <laughs> <laughs> I promise you I won't. Thank I you. I promise you I won't. <laughs> uh, Rudy, why don't you go ahead and say your goodbyes and get them out of here. I didn't say that right. Is it? <laughs> that, doesn't, that was sounded cold. Why don't you say goodbyes to Chris and we'll end the sucker. Yeah, no. <laughs> I'm still recovering from the penis comment. Chris, it has been a pleasure to get to know you. Uh, I really hope that our paths cross uh, in the near future. Um, and I wish you nothing but the best of luck. Well, let's, let's, let's make sure we meet up in Gettysburg. Are you going to be there? Unfortunately, not this year, but no. but we've already made the pact to go next year, and I'm going okay. to be looking well, for hopefully you. Hopefully, we meet each other prior to that. But, Absolutely. Uh, I, know, oh. I know you know your brother, and uh, we played a couple games together, and you know he, yeah. he's, he's got probably got a good story for you about me. It was good. He's uh, it was interesting. He uh, 
was one game one game we were not doing well i wasn't doing well and i had showed all over my face uh-huh. i wasn't doing well and he goes to me chris you gotta smile dude you're playing baseball <laughs> and i turned to him and i'm like you know like what what yeah god damn it you're right why aren't i smiling you know <laughs> why aren't i smiling so oh the wisdom of a of an older brother. I love it so much, man. Thank you, thank you so much for joining us. I can't wait to have you back, man. You, you're you're just a delight, and and best of luck this season. Looking forward to the next time, and I Absolutely. will definitely see you at Rocky Point there, Barrel. Absolutely. We'll. Uh, <laughs> what, do you, what do you drink? Whatever you bring me, I think is the answer to okay. that. Okay. <laughs> you like a good IPA? Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. You hesitated there. No, you no. Uh, I was thinking of, well, it's guy. not number one on my list. So I was thinking, what could I say? But it's in there. It's in, it's on my what's, list. What's number one? You got to say what's one. You know, you, you were grilling me. Now it's my turn to grill you. What's your Ooh. number one drink? Oh, uh, in the summer? Uh, yeah. Vodka, lem- vodka lemonade is what I drink in the summer. Uh, but when vodka I go lemonade. to events, I usually whip up my own batch of moonshine. But I don't, I'm not doing that because I'm flying to, to Boston. But uh, gotcha. Yeah, there's, but, a, there's a good there's a good little drink called Fisher Island Lemonade, and it's pretty it's it's whiskey though. But no, that's fine. Good. I'll take it. <laughs> it's pretty strong. It's pretty strong too. It's so not, am uh, I. So am I. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you worry about that. So uh, you heard it here, Chris and the Barrel Roller. On uh, hey, I don't even know your vintage baseball moniker. What's your nickname? It's grit. Grit. Oh, I did know that. that. Makes sense. That it out. is great. So it's grit and barrel coming to you from Rocky Point. We're going to do some play-by-play for some of the matches, whatever he's not playing in ah. and stuff. So <laughs> that'll be fun. Ah. Yeah. yeah, I can't wait to listen to that. <laughs> uh, I hey, love Chris, the wisdom. A, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you have a, you have a great evening. All right, bud. You too, guys. You too, guys. Appreciate it. It's been fun. Take care. We'll been see you later. Lot. Peace out. Uh, oh my God. so really, yeah, go ahead. How, 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 I mean, like <laughs> we have gotten so lucky this season. I, I don't even how? know how this is the best season Jeez. we've ever had. Like they got better. Like they get better every year. I think it is. It has nothing to do with us. Isn't that the best part? No. It has nothing to no. do with us. You just get people on here that have so much to talk about. We could have done it. Yeah. We could have done another show with them. And I'm gonna. I mean, like, I already had an extreme amount of guilt for not being able to be at Rocky Point because uh, Johnny uh, invited me after our interview last season. Said, "Hey, you guys should come to Rocky Point." We couldn't make it work because of it coincides so closely to the World Tournament. And now, just having this conversation with Chris, I'm like, I'm really missing out on something special and meeting and talking to some great people. Chris was amazing. You know what you need to do is you need to just fly out for the weekend, and I pick you up at the airport, uh, and and drive and then drive back to the airport. You get the same flight as me leaving because I'm leaving on Sunday. I'm only staying for Saturday. I'm telling you, just a day, just a day. You know, I'm, I'm doing the math in my head. I'm trying. To, <laughs> I'm going to try and make it. I feel. Just, oh my god. We'll have a place for you to stay on Friday night if you fly in on Friday. I'll come and get you at the airport. In fact, because yeah, I could pick you up on my way there because we're in Boston all week. 
you know, or what you I'll could do? fly I'm into gonna... Rhode Island, and I could pick you up there. I'm yeah. probably uh, what I'll do is I'll show Michelle a picture of Chris, and I'll be like, "Hey, I need to go talk to this guy," <laughs> and she might she might be on board. <laughs> uh, yeah. So next week, no episode as uh, it's the 4th of July weekend and we will be busy celebrating everybody's freedom and with many beverages and fireworks and the whole nine yards. Uh, what do you do on the 4th of July usually? Uh, we, uh, we try to watch some fireworks and just uh, and grill some food and just hang out with family. That's what we do on the 4th of July. Uh, you Do you have a 4th of July tradition? Do you watch fireworks? I'm not a fireworks guy. So I saw I so I grew up in Bay City, Michigan, and they have a huge fireworks thing every year. So I saw it for so many years. And I'm just when I think of fireworks now, I think of traffic and <laughs> and they're, they're great, but they last a second. I mean, I'm not excited by fireworks. <laughs> I tell you what, I went to a Great Lakes Loons game here by where I live. They're a a high A affiliate of the Los Angeles Dodgers. And it was fireworks night, their first fireworks night of the year. Those fireworks were phenomenal for a minor league baseball game. I was blown away with how good they were. And it was so easy to get in and out of the stadium. And I was like, that's it. That was my fireworks show. I'm, I'm not a fan. So okay. uh, this year I'm going to do something different. Some uh, We usually have... You know, there's multiple families that have multiple cookouts and blah, blah, blah. And I'm going to take a break from it this year. I'm going to do something different. And I don't even know what that is yet. But, um, uh, yeah, looking to do something different. I'm getting older. I want new experiences in my life. So I love it. Anyway, hey, you know what? When I'm out on the uh, East Coast, there's a little band out there. They're called Helen and the Trash Pandas. And I hope that she has a gig. Oh, Helen Sheldon. I hope she has a gig somewhere that week because I am going to hit that 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 uh, venue up. Oh my god, it's going to be a great night for me. I got to I can't contact her and be like, "Hey, you got to have a concert." Nah, I'll just wait and see <laughs> if she has a date. Be organic. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, so I can't wait for that. We're going out to Salem to check out all the the witchy stuff on Thursday. So that, yeah, we're going to stay in Salem. I'm going to find the the most haunted hotel I can and uh, do that. And and then we're walking around Boston for Sunday, Monday. We got a game at Fenway on Sunday. We got a tour of Fenway on Monday. And then we're doing, you know, all the toury stuff. And plus I'm doing a, I'm a big Whitey Bulger guy. Like yep. I've done a lot of that kind of stuff. We're going to go to uh, the finish line of the Boston Marathon, pay our respects for what happened, uh, you know, back with the yeah the massacre or whatever. What are they wow, you're going to gonna like. We're going to do it you're all. You're going to get a you got to get a lot in. That's exciting for you. Man. It is. And uh, let me say this right now. I am not going to let five millionaires who put together this 
shit box of a <laughs> of a submarine that no one should have ever ever been diving down to the Titanic in. Never ever. I am not going to let those people ruin your favorite sound. We are going forward with this sound. I don't want to hear anything about it from anybody. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, tell me, Rudy, why was that such a story? And let me tell you something. I knew about the other, the, the 700 uh, migrants that were on a boat that was failing. I know mm-hmm. that story was going on. This story uh, captured everybody, and it was five people and one of them was an idiot and <laughs> and uh and i have to admit it captured me i i was all on board why why i i think it was because we knew inevitably what the outcome would be but we had hope that it would end differently and I think that's what it was. I mean, I felt the it, same way when JFK Jr.'s plane disappeared. I sat mm-hmm. in front of CNN like, oh, my God, find him. And I didn't even have much of an opinion of JFK Jr. I think yeah. I think stories that draw from prior disasters yeah. factor into you care about this now. Because I didn't yeah. care about no damn sub going down to check out the Titanic I with millionaires on it. I didn't care. I knew it was mm-hmm. happening. That's how they were getting the 3D scan of the Titanic and all that stuff. So I knew all that stuff. I didn't care until they were going to die. Mm. And, uh, yeah. and I didn't care much about JFK Jr. until, except for he was JFK's son. So yeah. I think that's what brought me in on that story. It's I, I listened, I read, read a lot of articles. I listened to a lot of well-informed well, individuals about, uh, you know, being in submarines and deep seas and stuff like that. And uh, the, there was uh, one, individual, one individual who said right away at the beginning of the interview, I believe this was on like Tuesday, he said, they are dead. That's like he started the interview like that. And then his whole interview was based around what draws people into wanting to be in that environment and do those type of things. And then, but he was like, no, he's like, the odds of them being alive are non-existent. And it was, it was kind of like, yeah, it was a, it captivated uh, the entire world, I would say. Well, definitely America, but I would think globally it, it was captivating. Yeah, it's weird how that happens. Well, anyway, Rudy, no show, uh, no show next week, and then the week after that, it's episode two hundred. And I've got a great one lined up for you. I'm really excited for do it. Do I need? Tell me what I need to do. Do you need? Do we need more? Should I find somebody? Or no, no. I I have I have our guests okay. lined up. Okay. Uh, I'm excited. Yeah. Uh, 
what are we going to talk about? I can do it on the fly. I don't care. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to tell you what we're going to talk about. Right. I, I will just say, I will just say, you have an intimate knowledge of what we will be talking about. That time I got hit in the penis. 